Father, we thank you for all that you have done. For not forgetting us. For not, for not walking away from us. For not, for not, uh, for not disregarding us and, and, and just letting us go. We, we are so grateful for that. I pray, God, that as we, as we enter into this season, that, that our culture has so distorted and, 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 and taken for granted that we would be reminded of its depth, that we would be touched by uh, the real reason to celebrate. Father, I pray that as each person sits here today and and has these struggles and has these problems and has this life that they live, that, that times seem good and times seem bad and it's this roller coaster ride of emotion, that, 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 that Father, in this moment, that you would remind us of what you're doing and, and, and God, that, that there's something so much greater to look forward to. We thank you, Father, for your Son and for our reason to celebrate because of him. So all these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I opened my email this week, and I had this email from a friend of mine named Hallmark. They send me all these good emails. And uh, I was struck by this one. Normally I just delete these emails. But I was struck by this one because of the title and the subject line. Take a peek at how to bring joy into this season. And I was like, finally, somebody figured it out. We can have real joy. And Hallmark is here to tell me how. Thank you, God, for Hallmark. You know, I'm so excited. I opened the email. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, I was a little disappointed. Because I didn't find joy there. What I found was a couple of books for sale you know, at a low, low price. A stuffed animal and a knick-knack that you can hang on a Christmas tree. Now, <sighs> Hallmark's good. I mean, they're really good. I, I know they're good. They, you know, they have some of the funniest talking birthday cards that you can find. Those little cre uh, characters, I almost called them creatures. I guess they could be creatures. Hoops and Yo-Yo, I don't know if you know these guys. If you've been in a birthday card aisle, you probably do. They're loud and obnoxious and they're funny. And you know, when you care enough to send the very best, Hallmark, that, they're who you turn to, right? And I, if, if you want to feel sappy and romantic and just have your heart warmed, turn on their television station. I mean, really, I, if, if you want to feel good about life, Hallmark TV. I don't like crying. Well, I shouldn't say I don't like it. I'm not proud of the fact that I cry at some movies, but that's why I don't watch that show, or that channel, I, because, well, I don't have it anymore, but when I did, that's not a channel I was picking, you know, I, Amy, Amy, I don't know what it is, Amy loves to go to her mom's house and watch the Hallmark Channel, and cry with her mom at these movies, I, I, don't, I don't get that, but they're so good at what they do, they are good at what they do, but we all know they're not good enough to bring real and lasting joy. They can build a hype. They can build. They can. They can build this this circumstance that's make, that, that just makes us feel good inside for a moment. But all they're going to lead us to is just further disappointment. 
Because at some point, that those books, the stories are going to end. At some point, the, the stuffed animal, is, its eye is going to fall off and its stuffing is going to fall out. The, the Christmas ornaments that hang on the tree, they're not going to shine so bright. They're not going to be so nice to look at. But they know we desire joy. Hallmark knows you want happiness. Hallmark knows that you want to experience a real happiness. We all want it. And the desire of that happiness, the, the, the thing that we long for, the desire is not the bad thing. It's where we look for it. C.S. Lewis, in a, in, a, in a sermon entitled The Weight of Glory, says this, We are told to deny ourselves and take up our crosses in order that we may follow Christ. And nearly every description of what we shall ultimately find if we do so contains an appeal to desire. See, our desires, I'm with Lewis, I, I don't think they're bad. If there lurks in most modern minds the notion that to desire our own good and earnestly to hope for the enjoyment of it is a bad thing, I submit that this notion has crept in from Kant and the Stoics and is no part of the Christian faith. See, he, he thinks that our desire for joy, our desire for good, our desire for well-being, he's saying it's God-given. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, what's the Gospel promises? Think about it. If indeed we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the gospel, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. See, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy, we are half Hearted creatures fooling about with drink and, 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 and what, what else did he say? Sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. So we are too easily pleased. Because of Christmas, because of the event of, of His advent, because of Christ coming, we have been offered a holiday at the sea. And yet we are far too easily pleased. I was watching yesterday... Well, I wasn't watching it. My son was watching it. And I happened to overhear it as, as it was going on. He was watching a, a documentary about gangs in the United States. And this guy named O.G. Mack. It's a cool name. I, if, if I'm ever in a gang, I want a cool name like that. O.G. That's what they call him. Then there's another guy, Pistol Pete. and Oh, there's this one dude called himself something about the Messiah. I don't, I don't know. There was all kind of crazy names. But anyway, this guy, O.G. Mack, he's talking to the guy filming, and he says, you know what? We had everything. We had women. We had money. We had drugs. We had it all. We had everything. 
Man, if that's what your life is about, if that's all there is, if that mud pie is so satisfying, why are they always struggling for more? Why is there so much unrest and so much, and so, and so much dissonance and, and so much, and so many problems and, and death and destruction involved with that way of life? See, I think what we can see, I think, I think what, what, what we can understand is that they were settling for a substitute. They were settling for something that wasn't real. You see, we anticipate something so much more, so much better. And in the, in the story that Luke shares as he opens his gospel, we can begin to see it unfold. You see, it happened one night. There had been a census called for in the, in the, in the land, and, and everybody had to get up and they had to go home. And they had to go to the place where they could be counted with their families and with their people. And so this young guy named Joseph brings his, his new wife Mary, and, and they head off to Bethlehem. For those of you that were here with us, with Ruth, remember Bethlehem, the house of bread, where God's going to bring satisfaction. You see, this is no coincidence. They head off to this place called Bethlehem because he was that of the house of David. And so they take off, they get there, and, and there is so many people there. There is so much going on in Bethlehem at this point that, that they don't even have a place to stay. I mean, it's like the teacher's convention and the car show and, and uh, fishermen uh, paradise going on all at one time here in Springfield, and the hotels are full. There's no place for anybody to stay. And they show up, and I'm sure they're not the only ones that dealt with this. They're the only ones we hear about. But they show up, and they're like, where are we going to stay? And they knock on the door, and the guy says, oh, sorry, but I tell you what, you can have my stable. I'll let you stay in there. I see you're a pregnant lady. You're, you're ready to give birth at any moment. I'm going to let you stay in my stable because I'm such a nice guy. So they go and they stay in a stable. And on this night, I, I don't think that this night was really any different. I don't think there was anything different going on in people's lives except for the census. You know, they were coming home from work and they were, they were sitting down in front of their TVs and they were flipping on the, flipping on, uh, the Hallmark Channel and, and trying to feel good about life and getting on the Internet and, and Facebooking and, and tweeting and doing all the things that people do after they get off work. And they, they were just trying to relax and get ready for the next day. See, this was a normal night in Bethlehem. There was no, no special aura about that night. There's no special thing that happened. There was no, there's no special feeling bubbling up inside of these people. They were just doing what they do. Because of the census, maybe some families were connecting that, that hadn't seen each other for some time. Maybe they, were, maybe they were getting together and having some dinner with people that they normally didn't see. You know, I don't know, but it was, it was just a regular night in Bethlehem. For everybody except for Mary and Joseph. Because this night was the night that a baby was going to be born. And when Mary had that baby, she wrapped him up in swaddling clothes. She laid him in a manger. And that's where we pick up the story. Luke chapter 2, verse 9. And an angel... Oh, I'm sorry, verse 8. And in the same region... There were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock at night. This is how regular it was. Just everybody going about life. Life was just happening. Things were just happening the way they always did. The shepherds are out doing what shepherds do, watching over the flocks so that the wolves don't come and eat them up. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. I'm just going to tell you, they were scared to death. That's what this says. They were... Okay, I'm going to pull back from that one. They were scared. I don't know how, what, what the most scared you've ever been is. I, I, I don't know what, what the greatest amount of fear has been in you, but I want you to imagine that out of nowhere, poof, there's this angel. And light is shining everywhere. I mean, they're out in the dark field. It's dark. You know, they didn't have mag lights. They didn't have those big, those big uh, lanterns, those camping lanterns that, that shine for all around. They, they didn't have that stuff. They had the stars and the moon and a fire. It was dark. And boom, all of a sudden it's like day. They were scared. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. What? Fear not? For behold, I bring you good news of great joy. See, I'm not here to hurt you. I'm not here to beat you up or take you down. I'm not here to destroy you. Listen to me. I'm here to give you some of the best news that you will ever hear. And it is going to result in great joy. In fact, if I were to steal from C.S. Lewis, I think what we're really looking at is these angels telling them, here is infinite joy. Here it is. What's happening tonight, what has occurred tonight, has made this a special night, one to be remembered, one to be celebrated. You see, for unto you, this is verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is big. This is huge. And as, as these shepherds are sitting here hearing this, as they're experiencing this, obviously they're scared to death, but, but this angel wants us to experience this joy. He wants us to know this joy. He wants us to know this happiness that's, that, that wells up inside of us. It's not built on the circumstances of life. He wants us to hear this news that's going to change everything for us every way. You see, here, 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 here in our experience, and, and these shepherds are no different. The people of Israel were no different. The people of the Old Testament were no different. The people of the New Testament were no different. And the people here today are no different. Our joy in so many cases is built on what we can see and what we can experience. And it's all about our circumstances. And if life is good and it's going the way I like it, I feel happy. I feel happy. Oh, it's so good. And when things go wrong, when everything seems to be falling apart, well, we feel bad. We're bitter. And I, I think the clearest depiction of this, I think, I think the clearest way that you can see this is illustrated in, in one of the most amazing stories of all the Bible, one that's referred to over and over and over throughout Scripture. And it's the point where the Israelites are brought up out of Egypt and they're celebrating because they have had this victory. It's in Exodus chapter 15. You don't have to turn there. The verses will be on the screen. 
But here they are. They, they have, Moses has come into Israel. He's told the Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh fights with him and they, all these terrible things happen. And, and finally, Pharaoh comes to the point that he says, okay, they can leave. Take them, please. Get them out of here. I don't want them anymore. They're causing this too much trouble. And so they all take off and, and they, they bring with them all this gold and all this stuff. And, and they, they're so blessed by God as they leave out of this place. And then something happens. It's like Pharaoh wakes up from a dream and he says, wait a minute, what did I do? I let these people go. Who's going to make my pyramids? Who's going who's to cook the bricks? Who's going to do all this work? We better go get them. And so they get in their chariots, they jump on their horses, and they take off. And here the Israelites are. They realize, hey, we're being chased now. There's something bad going to happen. And we don't get away. He's going to crush us. We have no hope. And they come up to this bank of a sea, the, the bank of the Red Sea, and they're like, oh, man, what do we do? What do we do now? Well, suddenly, you know, Moses walks out, God splits it, and hey, walk across. So they walk on dry, dry ground. They walk right through the sea. The sea's on both sides of them, you know, and they're oh, this is amazing. They get to the other side. The sea closes in, and it drowns all of Pharaoh's army. They didn't mourn, they didn't weep, <laughs> they were excited. Woo, he's dead! We're free! And they started singing, and this is what they sang, or at least part of it. Ephesians chapter 15, verse 1 through 2. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God and I will exalt Him. And then we skip down a little further into Exodus 15, 20 through 21. It kind of sums it up and it says, Then Miriam and the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand and all the women went out with her, dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider He has thrown into the sea. They were throwing a party. They were, they were excited. They were celebrating. They were, they were ecstatic about what was happening. They had been redeemed. And in fact, in, in the song, they use that word, God, you've redeemed your people. They were moved. And they were ecstatic about it. They were happy. And they were jumping up and down, dancing around, celebrating. And they were experiencing joy. But it was built on a circumstance. They had seen God work. But this joy was built on a circumstance. And it becomes very stark. There's a contrast that becomes very stark in the very next verse. As they finish the celebration, as they finish singing and dancing, it says this in verse 22. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, people who were here in Ruth, does that ring a bell? Marah. They could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. That's what Marah means. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? They, they were happy because things were going their way. Oh, we're free. God saved us. Oh, you're so good, God. Where's the water? What are you thinking bringing us out here into the desert to die? We would have been better off staying in Egypt. At least we had warm meals. 
Because we had a place to sleep. Where's our food? That was another one that came. It was another time they grumbled. What were you thinking doing this? You see, their happiness, their joy was built on their circumstance. And if they could see that it was going their way, they were all all right with it. They were, oh yeah, we'll be your people, God, and you'll be our God. Yeah, we're happy about that. Hey, where's what we want? I didn't sign up for this. Are, are, Are we any different? You can see it in the New Testament. Can you see it in your life? You see, but this joy, this this moment that this angel is coming and revealing and sharing with these people when he's standing before these shepherds and telling them, this is good news. And it will result in great joy. He's not saying it's it's some joy that's built on this instant. It's not not just joy built on this moment. It's going to be lasting. It's going to be infinite. It's going to be great. It's going to be fulfilling. It's truly going to fill us up and and, and move us. It's going to be something that that finds itself going across circumstance and in the midst of all circumstance. For unto you, in the city of David, a child has been born. Oh, this is where it gets special because he's not just any old kid. We know what comes with kids. Kids are a blessing from the Lord, but they're a lot of work. Sometimes they're pretty frustrating. Especially when they're crying out in my sermons. I'm just kidding. I don't even notice it. I'm just playing. But, but that's what it is. But this child, he's not just any old child. He's Christ, the Lord. A Savior for His people. When these shepherds heard that, they heard something much more than I think you and I hear today. Because this guy, this this baby, this proclamation that these angels were, were sharing with them, or this angel was sharing with them, was the fulfillment of something that the Jews had been anticipating for generations. He's the Christ. See? To them, that's that's a special word. To them it was, wait, we've been waiting for Him. We've been waiting for the Anointed One. We've been waiting for the Messiah. We've been looking for the One who would deliver us. He's the Savior of His people. He's, no, he's just not just any other kid. And He's Lord. He has authority and power and majesty. This is the One. We've been waiting for Him. And He's here? You're telling us He's here? For unto you, in the city of David, a child is born. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then He goes on to say, You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And he ties that back into what happened was happening in this other scene that Luke shared with us, in the, in the scene where Mary is in a stable, having this baby, wrapping it up and lying it in a manger, lying it in this trough for, <laughs> the, the, 
is essentially a, a hay trough for, for animals to eat from. She, she lays this baby in there, and this is what they're to look for. This baby that Mary had is the baby that they're looking for. And this is, this, is, this is the source of joy. He is going to be the one that brings this joy. It's infinite. That's great. He was no average, ordinary baby. And so while most of the world was just go, going about their business, this extraordinary event was taking place that we might know joy. Not a joy like, like, like has always been known. But a joy that's lasting and fulfilling. Joseph learns that Mary is pregnant. He, he finds out that, that this woman that he's going to marry is pregnant. And he's shocked and he's stunned. How many of, how, how many of you guys, how many in that moment would be experiencing any kind of joy. But the gospel writer shares with us, Matthew, as, as he tells us of this, of this circumstance, he tells us that, that Joseph, not knowing anything else, not knowing what else to do, but trying to do it the best way he knows how, he decides he's going to put her aside. He's not going to marry her. He's not going to be involved with her. And then... It tells us in Matthew 1, 20-25, but as he considered these things, as he considered getting rid of Mary, as he considered living his life in some other way because this wasn't what he signed up for, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph spoke or when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to her son. And he called his name Jesus. You see, while the rest of the world is, is just living life, while the rest of the world is just going about their life and thinking nothing special is happening, and they're totally oblivious to what is happening, this instance, this circumstance is something that God had been working to bring to pass. And when Joseph, the, 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 the one that people assumed was the father, heard that this woman he was going to marry was pregnant, he suddenly is not experiencing joy. He's not feeling happy. i got to get rid of her. I, I can't. This is bad. But wait a minute. It's not all as it seems. And an angel appears to him and says, Joseph, this is going to be a special baby. This is something that you are to be a part of. You see, the baby that's in this woman, Mary, He's not just another child. He's the Son of God. He has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. You're to call His name Jesus because He's going to be a Savior to His people. He's Emmanuel, God with us. When John wrote his Gospel and shared about this coming of the Christ, this coming of the Messiah, 
He writes in John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. It's verse 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That means He came and He put on flesh and He dwelt. He, he, was, he was here. He lived here. He walked here. He ate here. He slept here. He served here. He lived here. God came here. And this is the news that brings great joy. Because imagine what hope we would have for joy if God hadn't done this amazing thing. Had God not come to us, had He not come here, we'd have no way to experience Him. We'd have no way to get to Him. Because He did this work. Because He came here. Humbled Himself. Allowed Himself to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. And laid in a manger. We can know joy. An infinite joy. We have been offered a holiday at the sea. Well, the story keeps going. In verse 13, it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he with whom he is pleased when the angels went away from them into heaven the shepherds said to one another let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger and when they saw it I mean imagine this Imagine this moment. Out in the field, some angel appears to you out of nowhere. You're scared to death. You know, if this was today, somebody would say, oh, you're on meth, you've been smoking too much crack, whatever. There's going to be a baby in a manger, and he's the Messiah, he's the one we've been waiting on, and then to show up in Bethlehem. and Wow, what are the chances? They were moved. And they celebrated. <laughs> and when they saw, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. You know what they did? And it says it in the end of the verse. They got up, they saw it, they were moved by it, they were struck by it, they got up and they started celebrating. And you know what they did? They told everybody they saw. As they were on their way back to the fields, you're not going to believe this. An angel told us and here it is. And this baby is not just any baby. He's Christ, the son of the living God. He's our Savior. He's our Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting for. This is good news of great joy. Wow. They were, they were ecstatic. Wouldn't you be ecstatic? If you'd heard this news, I mean, we, we get so excited about so many things. I got a promotion at work and, and that means more money and boy, just in a few days, you know what happens? It becomes work again. And it's tough. It's difficult to deal with. Oh, I'm getting married. I'm so excited. You know what happens? 
It becomes a marriage. And it's work. It's difficult. It's what it is. Oh, I'm so excited. I won a million dollars. When we get great news, aren't we ready to go and tell? Aren't we excited? Aren't we experiencing happiness and joy? Yeah, I think so. And we get up and we go and tell. And that's exactly what these guys did. That's exactly what they did. They jumped up and they went and they said, Hey, he's been born. He's here. We've waited forever, but he's finally here. This baby that's going to bring great joy. And they celebrated. See, we like the... we have great reason to celebrate. Just like the shepherds, we have great reason to rejoice, to experience and know joy. It's not some isolated incident. You know, We don't look back on this moment as some isolated incident. Oh, I'm going to celebrate and have joy this, this Christmas season because Jesus came. This is what brings joy into life, not into a season. This brings joy into every moment. It's not some isolated incident. It's the incident that affects every other incident in your life, that affects every other circumstance in your life. It's this incident that's the foundation of the real hope that you experience. (laughs) You see, we have this same news. You have heard this same news. Just in case you haven't. About 2,000 years ago, a baby was born. It's a real historical moment. It, it, it really happened. The, the, the man that grew from this baby really lived. And this man said his name, or, or, or this man was named Jesus, and he said his mission was to come and to seek and to save the lost. And he worked with great power, he did amazing miracles. He taught with great authority. And then he was killed because people didn't like what he had to say. But he didn't stay dead. And he rose. I've got good news that will bring great joy. A baby was born that grew up to be the Savior the world. His name was Jesus. And if you're here today and you believe in Him, you have reason to experience joy. Everything outside might be falling apart. But because of Him, you can have great joy. You see, the, here, here's the beautiful thing about it. When he left, when, when he died, and he, and he rose again and then ascended into heaven, he didn't leave us alone. You see, it'd be so easy to say, well, Seth, Jesus was walking on the earth then. People saw him. They saw what he was doing. They could experience him. They could touch him. They could walk behind him. They could see the footprints in the dirt that he was leaving. I don't get to see that. I don't, I don't get to experience that. But Jesus promised us and, and has fulfilled His promise that when He left, He would send His Spirit back. And His Spirit was going to teach us all about Him. He was going to point us all back to Jesus. He was going to remind us of the truth that Jesus taught. He was going to remind us about what Jesus did. He was going to remind us about what Jesus promised He would do in the future. 
And you know, now as we live and walk in this world, maybe we don't see the footprints in the sand, but we can read his word in the pages of scripture. And you have this promise that within you is living the Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit lives in you, He does a work in you. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Because when the Spirit moves in, He does this work. It's not something like I wake up one morning, okay, today I want to experience love. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to love everybody I can. Today I want to be happy. So I'm going to, I'm going to just forget everything that's going on and I'm just going to Put on my happy face. You know, I'm going to be kind today, so today I'm, going to be, I, I, I'm just going to go out and be kind. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is what He does in you. It's not something you pick off of a tree. It's something He produces through you. He makes this happen. And because of Him, because of our Savior coming and putting on flesh and paying the price and dwelling among us and, and living in that way, paying the price and raising from the dead and sending His Spirit, now we too... Now we too can experience this joy and can know this great joy because He's here filling us up. Showing us that it's not built on the circumstances of life. You know, if we were those gang members or if, if, if all we had to look forward to, if all we had to look forward to was, was a Christmas season, and gifts under a tree and, and ornaments hanging on it, then Hallmark might be able to fulfill our joy. If, if we had nothing else to live for than what OG Mac had to live for, maybe, there, maybe we'd think we had everything. But there's so much more. There's so much more. This life, this, these things that, that can so easily distract us, that can so easily take away from everything uh, that, that, that we know to be true, that, that can so easily trip us up and cause us to fail. Those things that make us feel happy, they fool us sometimes. You see, I, I do not hear me saying that you shouldn't enjoy good news. Enjoy good news. Revel in it. Be excited by it. Enjoy the happiness that comes from the relationships that you have. Enjoy happiness when you get a promotion at work. Enjoy if you win money in the lottery. Get excited. Tithe on that money and then get excited. I'll get excited with you. Be happy about it. But recognize that these are not the source of the joy. They're simply signs of what's to come. They're mud pies that one day we're going to be called to give up so we can take that holiday at the sea. You see, there's so much more. And that's why writers of the New Testament, when it came to that, when, when it came to this, the, the writers of the New Testament, they, they saw Jesus coming. And they saw the work He did. And they said things like in, in James 1, 2 through 4, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And in Acts, when Peter and John were put on trial for preaching the gospel, for loving their Lord, for, for doing the thing that they'd been called to do when they, when they were being jailed and imprisoned for their faith. <clears throat> it says in Acts 5.41, they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name 
That's why Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings. We find joy in the midst of everything because our joy, the source of our happiness, the, the thing that makes us well up with happiness is not found in our circumstances. But in this truth, Jesus Christ came from God, was born of a virgin. He put on flesh. He grew up. And He lived a perfect and holy life. So now we can rejoice. And there's so much more to come. There's so much more to come. Even Jesus... Strike it. Especially Jesus knew this. He understood this. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and he just, the writer has just closed out this chapter that talks about these heroes of our faith, these people whose lives were drastically altered by God's work in them. <clears throat> since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Jesus knew that His happiness was not rooted in the things that were happening here. He recognized that His joy came from His connection to the Father. He recognized that there was joy, great joy to come on the other side of the suffering. He saw that there was so much more to come. You see, because God didn't just send His Son to leave us here. God sent His Son so that He could come and get us from here. You see, He came to get you and me I've got great news that will bring great joy. God came to get you, to save you. And right now, here we stand in the midst of history, looking back, remembering what God did that we might experience joy. Being able to rejoice now because of the Spirit, and because we can realize the promise that there is so much more to come. Because you know what? He's coming back. John 14, 2, 3, 3, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. It's the beautiful picture and language of a wedding ceremony in that culture. The groom came and saw his wife. I'm going to go now and I'm going to prepare a place. And when I come back, we're going to celebrate. And I'm going to, after I'm done preparing that place, after the work is finished and, and everything's ready, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. You see, our joy, it's founded in that moment. And in all the work that God has done, 
we realize it and celebrate it in that moment when the Christ child was born? Because it was good news with great joy. And even today, we can realize it in the midst of our present times and in the midst, midst of our present sufferings, recognizing that He is saving us. And we can experience joy, a real and deep and lasting joy. Because we know and can expect Him to come back. And so today, as we're in the midst of this Christmas season, when yesterday uh, the, the stores were full, I went into Walmart at, 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 like right around 9.30 or 10 o'clock last night. It was about 8.30 last night. And that store was chock full of people. I mean, it was full. The lines were long. It was crazy. When, when, when life is so busy and, and, and people are so focused on this celebration of giving gifts and, and getting gifts, you see, we're standing in the midst of history where we look back and see what He's done and anticipate the joy that is to come. Have you heard the good news? There was a baby born. He grew up to be our Savior. He died on a cross that we might be reconciled to our God. And He's coming back to get us. That brings joy. I am so happy. I want to tell people. I want people to know. I want people to experience it. So I'm going to put down the mud pies. I'm going to enjoy them for what they are. Knowing that they're just mud pies. And I'm going to look forward to the holiday at the sea. Will you anticipate joy with me? There is so much more to come. Every head bowed and every eye closed.